Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. That's Chris over there. Hello. And I'm Rick. And uh, today we're going to talk about watershed moments ah. pertaining to the guitar. Okay. And, yeah. And so, uh, for me, I think some come to mind um, that made an impression on me. I mean, I wasn't alive at, for some of these, but uh, some I was, but I didn't necessarily <laughs> see them at the time. Um, but... Uh, one in particular that I'll start with is uh, Buddy Holly's first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. Okay. You know, this was '57, and at the time, uh, you know, people were playing acoustics and jazz boxes, and that's what you saw as a guitar. And here, this lanky Texan is on the black and white TV screen playing this weird electric guitar with horns on it and a weird headstock and. You know, he might as well have just dropped out of the sky, you know, because he it just was strange. Right. And um, so I think that is one of those watershed moments where you see this artist. He's playing this new guitar. It's brand new. Um, and I think it made an impact on a lot of people. You know, I mean, I, I certainly have seen many guitar players talk about that, you know, Buddy Holly in that moment or Buddy Holly and his Strat being a huge influence on them, like, you know, right. loving that guitar, wanting to pick up a guitar. Um, but I just think it's interesting because, again, at the time, you know, we kind of thought of guitar as acoustics and jazz boxes and boom, here's this solid body horned devil in the hands of this Texan. And I thought that was really cool. Right. Um, so that would have been, do you, what year was that, 56? 57. 57. 57, yeah. Okay. So yeah. that would have meant the Telecaster was out for, you know, a few years. Yeah. So that was actually the third year of the Stratocaster, too. So, yeah. I mean, that was probably its first big it's, network TV in front of thousands and thousands of people. Exactly. That's I kind think, of what you're saying? Yeah. I think people might have saw those guitars around, but not not like that in that moment and reaching that many people, right? That's another thing about TV, right? You could... You could reach a ton of people in one shot and then spoon. It's like, then it makes an impact. And that, I think that's what happened with the Strat, right? It's like, yeah, people might have saw him around or you might have saw a country band in a bar. Oh, the guy's playing a telly. But here you have this television show where this artist is playing this weird guitar, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's kind of cool. Um, and again, like I, I've just seen, inter- read interviews and, and seen video clips of, of various guitar players talking about Buddy Holly and those Ed Sullivan appearances too, having a huge right. impact on them and, and them loving the Strat and wanting to play a Strat or pick up the guitar and play it. I, yeah, I guess it's really hard to just even get your mind into a place where you think the Stratocaster was weird because we're right. so used to it. It's the most copied guitar ever. But there was a time when, you know, it was from outer space, from yeah. the stratosphere. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's cool. So that's what you mean by watershed moment, something that changed the course of guitar playing? Exactly. Okay. Or, or just changed the... It was a paradigm shift for guitars, like you just said, right? At that time, you know, it was the 50s. That there, It was conservative. Um, sure, there were cars with fins and all this other stuff. And right. So a lot of these guitar body styles were, sh- were shaped after, but... Um, to me, the the Stratocaster does just signal a, a, a departure from, you know, normal guitar shapes, body shapes and stuff. Right. You know? So, and and also it, it's kind of sexy too, right? It's got the, the contour to it. It's got kind of a sexy body shape and it's just kind of, it, it, it seems a little illicit, you know, like a little edgy actually for that time period. Right. Kind of. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And uh, another one, 
And one that really stuck with me for many reasons, but is Dylan going electric in 65. Because here you have this darling of the folk move the you know the folk revival the folk movement right every you know the he's like he's the guy he's the guy they put all their eggs in his basket you know and he's playing an acoustic guitar singing his songs and then all of a sudden he's like you know what fuck this i'm going electric right and he gets mike bloomfield who's a, a huge blues guitar prodigy from the time and some other dudes and then he they play the newport folk festival and it's just bedlam because these little folkies are just beside themselves. Here's Dylan with an, a Stratocaster, again, um, playing this electric music. And it just, again, this is a, a huge paradigm shift, you know, because he's an, a, a, an acoustic folk guy. And now all of a sudden he's going rock, kind of folk rock or rock, whatever you want to call it, with an electric band. And so. Right. And, he, and it's interesting because I was just reading a book that mentioned that it was the book was called everybody had an ocean which is kind of about the beach boys and other bands from kind of that era and uh-huh. that kind of signaled a great a huge migration from new york city to the the west coast uh-huh. at, right around that time so him going electric kind of signaled a big switch from greenwich village out to like LA for a lot of those folkies who yep. decided to go electric i totally understand like those folkies kind of turning on him, maybe not in the way that they did. But, you know, if you have this type of music that you like and it fits a certain pattern and suddenly it's different and they may, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not really in. If I wanted rock and roll, I'd be into rock and roll. But this this is like, they're, like you said, the great, they're great hopeful playing this this music and they're totally following. So it is forever changed for them too. So, oh, yeah. I mean, the way they reacted may not have been the way that I would react because, you don't, I mean, I wouldn't want to hold any artist back. It's like you should be able to follow your muse if you want to right. do that. At the same time, if it doesn't speak to me, it's like, okay, follow your muse. I'm going to go over here and yep. enjoy this. So I totally understand why they did, but I just think the reaction is kind of hilarious, like just the way they, they freaked out so much. But that happens in any genre of music. If you think about it, even somebody like Clarence White from The Birds, uh-huh. who like uh-huh. is one of my favorite guitar players, and he's like plays like he's from outer space but what he did was like he mastered you know bluegrass music and he's like okay i've done all i can do there so i'm gonna just do these other things so he got he went electric and he just came with like came up with some really like from outer space kind of like a style that he created and i'm sure like a lot of his bluegrass fans he may have like you know he may have have put them off but at the same time you can't hold those people back right anyways And, and i think you raise a good point um in the moment, I mean, for all I know, I might have reacted that way because I'm I, I think of it, too, in terms of like, I know that if I and I and many people are into an artist. Right. And they right. Ha- and if they've been around long enough to have a catalog of music that you've come to love, if I see them on tour, if I see them live, I want to hear those songs. I don't want to hear the new album that I'm going to have to get used to. You know what I mean? Right. No. I want to hear that stuff that I love, that I know you've done, that just resonates with me and similarly to your point it's like i i mean now we look back at the reaction and say wow it was crazy but i mean you can hear they're 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 shaken to their core they're calling him judas they're they're like and to i totally agree it's like they were invested in this guy 
emotionally. Right. Like this was their guy. And then all of a sudden he's doing this. But after the fact, you know, hopefully people realize, yeah, exactly. He's an artist and he's got to go where this stuff takes him. There was, you that, know? was it this, was Scorsese the one that did that movie? Yes. On, um, and it's a great and that movie was like, too. I think they were in England on that, with that, that tour with that, the, that band uh-huh. and there was they were interviewing the crowd and there were a bunch of people like disgruntled people they were talking to and one dude you know and one of the guys was saying that yeah now he's doing this rock and roll anyone can do that and there's someone in the crowd that goes not anyone can play like these guys and it, it was so true it's like you know he was so into him not being his thing anymore that he was missing that it was like a phenomenal thing that was going on so you wonder if those people today go yeah I guess I should have like you know I kind of overreacted when you look at you know the output past that moment oh and, yeah and, and you know on the bright side you have this you have two eras of the of dylan you know exactly i like them both you know me, I mean? too. You me get, too you can you get both of these things but we all have moments where i mean for me it's like i loved fucking kiss destroyer <laughs> love gun was too much it was too commercial for me well hello I said, hey, hello goodbye there's a toy gun in the in the fucking sleeve I'm out, and that's where I checked out. I the kiss. love that correlation too to kiss. But, but I like, so I can definitely see that. But yeah. now, as an an adult now, well, sure, now you love can appreciate gun is love great. Gun. I like that too. It's, I don't know. No, but live and learn. <laughs> that's a great point, though, because it, it's always tough in the when you're in the eye of the storm or in the moment. You can't think about it contextually, out of that outside of that context, right? Because you're in it, you're living it. You paid money to go see Dylan. You're expecting him to play a whole set of acoustic music that you love. And here you go in your, just imagine going into that show and, and he, he's got this strat on and there's right. Mike Bloomfield and there's a band and it's like, what the hell? I could imagine people were freaked out. They and then he said, Boone's farm on and, but, their nose. <laughs> but another thing that I dig is, is um, some artists would have been so shaken by that. But Dylan was like, turn it up. Yeah. Fuck this shit. I'm doing this. He was committed to it, man. And I totally dug that about him because, like, I probably would have acquiesced. It's like, oh, shit, they hate it. You know? right. And the band, you know, imagine being the band. Like, Mike right. Bloomfield and these other guys, are they getting booed and called right. Judas? And, and they're like, oh, shit, we have to do a set of this stuff. Right. And, but anyway, I thought it was so cool that he just stuck to his guns and said, no, we're doing this. And fuck it. Turn it up. And it's definitely one of those watershed, look who's laughing now moments. Exactly. Too, so. Like you say, there's two... There's two eras of Dylan that are all, it's all cool. And I dig it all. But, um, but yeah, in the moment, I can just imagine, I probably would have been the same. I would have been next to some guy named Joshua be, being uh, really pissed off at, at, at Dylan. for Throwing his boat bag at the stage. Boat. Well, you heard the, 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 I don't know how true it was, but um, who's the, oh, Pete Seeger. Like he was so incensed, he people said he went and got an axe right, to, to cut the chop power, the I power heard, cable. I don't know, how true I don't know if either. it's true or not. I saw a, a documentary, and I don't think it is as true as it makes for a good story, but yeah. I don't think it's as true. But, but he was pissed, he and was he was pissed. pissed, and and the Peter Paul and Mary dude, who which Peter Paul, I don't know which guy, but Peter? he was pissed, <laughs> and Paul. they actually made him, they forced him to come out and do. Um, an acoustic set, or a couple, or, or a couple songs in acoustic, acoustic, so that he would placate these crazed lunatic fans. Fanatics, and, yeah, fanatics of music. Like, I mean, think about punk rockers. Punk rockers oh, are, yeah. are, are the same way. It's like you played a solo. Exactly. Fuck you, Judas. <laughs> exactly. It's, I mean, everything, and, and, it, and it's so funny. The, the best music comes out of people who just say "fuck it." Many people are like, "Well, shit, I don't want to piss all these people off." Country well people, do... punk rock people, rock metal. That's <laughs> yeah, not metal exactly. enough. That's, I liked it when it was metal, but you know we do. 
do, I mean, how, I guess it's how do you approach somebody, I'm, I'm, see if I have an example of somebody whose music you love and they make a dud. I mean, and you're like, okay, I mean, I don't just throw them out and say, you know, no, fuck well, that. It's like, I wait for the next record. Or, or a similar thing. I saw Dylan like several years ago at Bumbershoot and he, his voice is almost gone. Right. Like it's raspy and gravelly to the point of like really bad. But I didn't give a fuck because it was Bob Dylan. Right. You know what I mean? So I cut him slack because he's got this body of work that you can't touch. He's got this storied history. And it's not like I'm, I don't know. I just, I just guess he, to me, he gets much more benefit of the doubt than, than other, you know what I mean? Like he's just, he's got this credibility about him. I don't know. He's earned he's it. He's earned it. Dues. Yeah. And, but you're right. It's like, I'm, I'm much more willing to give a pass to somebody that I think has put out some great work and then maybe they tried something new or something or whatever. And it just right. didn't work for me or, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well that didn't work, but maybe, maybe the next one will be something cool. But yeah, I totally dig that. I, I, I totally relate to that. Um, but yeah, I just, again, I have such respect for people and maybe it's not even a choice for them. It's just like, no, I'm just doing this. I, it's not like I'm trying to be a hero or, you know what I mean? Or trying to piss people off. This is just what I have to do. You right. know what I mean? I'd love to please you, but I can't, I'm not going to do it. Right. And I love that because you're right. That's when some good stuff happens. It's like, no, I'm not going to bend just because you want me to do the stuff you want me to do, you know? Like, right. And you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, I wasn't even fucking thinking about you when I came exactly, on this shit. Exactly. It was the furthest thing away from my mind. I don't even know who you are. Shit. I mean, <laughs> truthfully, I mean, if you had to think about pleasing people every time you made something, I mean, I guess people did. Bands had to, like, please record labels and shit. Right. So I bet you that gave us a lot of type of music. So, I mean... Well, sure, and and it's it's our nature. We want to be liked. Well, of course, right? it's a human nature. You want to be liked, but but again, like that's why I just uh, really respect artists or anybody who's like, who sticks to their guns. Not in it, not to be an ass or belligerent, but just right. like, man, I can't do that for you. I'm sorry. Man, I wish I could, but I right. can't. I, I'm gonna do this other stuff. You, you know? should have left the toy gun out of love gun. <laughs> I mean, you just alienated a bunch of Lesson hardcore fans. Learned. Lesson learned. Jesus, sellouts. Oh my gosh. What other watershed moments do you have there in your little well, bag of tricks? I'm going to pull one out by an artist that you and I talk about a lot. Uh-oh. I totally dig this artist. You dig him, too, but you've got... I wouldn't say reservations. I'll let you talk about it. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, you ding-dong. It's Jimi Hendrix. Oh, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> that was a watershed moment for guitar playing, definitely. It, it was a huge watershed moment, and I'm referring to when he played Hey Joe... On British TV, like in 66, 67, something around there. Mm-hmm. And all these little British kids, these wannabe rockers, saw this dude on TV with a swapped over Strat, dressed crazy. It's a black dude um, playing Hey Joe. And uh-huh. he did the whole thing. He played with his teeth and did all this crazy shit. And Paul Rogers, I heard an interview with him, and he said he saw that broadcast and it just it changed his life. Right. He's like shit this is insane again it's there's something where it's really easy for us to just go yeah well i don't see what the big deal is because i mean you have to be there and i love reading stories like pete townsend jeff Beck, all these people who are like great musicians on their own and just how devastated they were then terrified when they first saw him it's like oh our time is done on this planet and it's so funny to think about that like jeff beck's got nothing to worry about no you know in retrospect you're thinking but at the time he was such a force and just like of just awe-inspiring, like, you know, just a force. Yeah. So it just, like, shook all these people to their core. So that, that's very fascinating. And there was nothing like that up until that time. No, I mean, and you're you're so right. It's like we have the, the luxury of seeing this 
you know, in hindsight. But at the time, he may as well have been dropped out of the sky. He dressed crazy. He was he played it left-handed. It was just insane. And he was a badass on guitar. Right. But the kicker too is like you and I talked about is is you know once you get past the pyrotechnics and the guitar you know theatrics. His songs were great. He was a Bob Dylan fan. He loved Bob Dylan. Right. He would get his friends to go, oh, check this out, man. And they'd go, oh, whatever. Let's get stoned. Yeah. Um, but totally. he loved Bob Dylan. He loved the lyrics of Bob Dylan. So his, so if you listen to Jimmy's lyrics, it sounds like he's kind of trying to no, totally. cop Dylan's thing. But in, in many ways, it's cool. Like Castles Made of Sand or, or Little Wing, all these cool songs. If you listen to the lyrics, they're funky and they're psychedelic. But they're kind of... You can see the the inspiration he got from Bob Dylan. At least I can, I think. I can, the, too. No, yeah. I have access to total love. Like I think it, that you were alluding to is I'm not... I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan. I have, you know, I have lots of, you know, respect for him. But I never yeah. really, never really, like, clicked with me that much. Yeah. With, like, a lot of... Um, a lot of artists from them, I had to go back later, and I did with him too. You know, I, I don't think I was really ready for the music of Jimi Hendrix. I wasn't ready for the music of other people, and now I totally appreciate it a lot. But a huge stumbling block for me with Hendrix was getting past the parlor tricks, yeah. which so many people just keyed into. It was like, yeah. look, he's playing with his teeth, he's doing this and he's doing that, which to me is like that was so just a such a minute part of what I like about him and oh, what yeah. I, his essence is totally. as far as like his music yep. his songwriting and you know his presentation the par- parlor tricks were kind of a distraction for me it's like who yep. cares I mean you know I mean at the time no one had seen that so I can see them being completely blown away and the same with like Eddie Van Halen as a guitar player me in 1979 you know so check it out you're, you're a guitar player I was a young you know just started playing guitar I didn't really dig Van Halen. That's that interesting. Yeah, I do now. I, I love the first two records, but at yeah. the same time, I was way into UFO. Yeah, I loved Michael Schenker. Now I appreciate them both. Yeah, but I think you know. To be honest, I think for a kid your age, you you had enough. Uh, you were discerning enough to, to to see through the parlor tricks. I wasn't. I was like I was like a fish. Like that lure caught me. Man, when I've heard that album, when I heard Eruption, I that blew my fucking mind. And yeah, I had well, to get I the album. And mind. I had to go out. I I had to try to learn all that crap and stuff and I loved it. But but um so I totally I I, I kind of I envy people like you who at a young age were able to kind of be because like your your love of UFO and Michael Shanker, I think is totally I loved it too at that age. But uh-huh. I didn't really I wasn't articulating why but you know you and I both talked about you know he's like he's got this crazy German precision but with with this sloppy solely cool coolness and is melodic and it's all this cool stuff and, but it's lyrical and it's, yeah, yeah it's lyrical and, yeah and I like and, and Eddie Van Halen is totally capable of that yeah but he went the other route and he relied more on a lot of the, the tricks that well, he, he invented yeah. so I mean it was like I mean it was revolutionary but um, where Michael Sinker was more feel and that's when it, when you go back to like what I'm talking about with Hendrix is <laughs> I'm way more into what is said than how it's said you know what I mean yeah so it's like you're, you're delivering this line and if it's a good line and I connect with it, I like it. Doesn't matter if you're doing something that looks really hard to yeah, get there. Yeah. It's just what it is, you yeah. know. So you know, doing like tricky fretboard tr- tricks. It's. I mean, if you say something cool with it and it speaks to me, I'm gonna like it. But yeah. I'm that. I'm not gonna like it just because of that. And I always wondered myself if it has anything to do with my. I'm not a sports person. I don't like sports yeah. or you know co- competitive things like that. I'm, I just have no interest in that. Yeah. And that kind of like. Maybe I can see some parallels. Maybe I'm nuts. No, but I think that's like, a good correlation. It, it, it's like, 
Yeah, it's, this guy, it's really hard because it's easy for people who don't know how the guitar is even played to see something like that and go, that's really hard. It He's must a, be good. Right. Instead of like, you know, the classic example is for a while floating around on YouTube was that video of R.I.P. Prince yeah. and they're doing While My Guitar Gently Weeps and they do a really good version of the song. It's very yeah. touching and everyone freaks out about Prince's part at the end, which is great. I mean, Prince is an awesome guitar player, another force of nature. Um, but I was way more blown away by the dude, I don't even know who he was, that was playing like Clapton's part in the song because I'm like, he's interpreting the lines from the record, he's doing a really good job, he's got great tone, yep. and it's like, it's there's a lot of finesse involved with doing that, and everybody else is freaking out over like the bombastic print stuff at the end, which I'm not not saying is not good yep. it's just different perspectives of where you come from uh, I think it's great this competitive nature of guitar playing and people will say oh he's a better guitar player than that guitar player and a lot of times they say that because this person can play faster than this other person or this person can do more crazy hard difficult things than this other person but or it's just more the, obvious it, that, that the lay person can look at them and know that they're right. doing something but, but once like you say luckily hopefully if you get older or you start to analyze it more you'll say well there's no good or bad there's no like if this guitar player you know you know there's all kinds of guitar players that play really simple or or not difficult stuff but it's beautiful it's awesome like, like the edge for instance he gets a bad rap i think anyway oh, he totally does he, he created his own sound his right. signature sound with echo and and his tone and he plays weird uh shapes on the fretboard but what he does is Iconic, right. and it, it's the foundation of that band's sound. Right, and so, but I'm sure you know, and in, in it might get loud. He shows you what he's doing, and it's really simple. It's right. just he's hitting two different notes essentially, and but when he plays, puts the echo on, it's like becomes this big thing. And so your your average person maybe who is into this competitive thing will go, oh, he sucks. He's right. a, he's a shitty guitar notes, player. But, but no, he's not. He's a great guitar player because he's used that instrument to express himself in a way that is unique and distinct and and is the foundation of that band's sound right you know no i agree and i was actually that's funny because i was thinking of him when we were talking about that I'm, that's one dude i mean again you know youtube take you like him or you know or not yeah. i mean that's i mean he created a sound and you know sure it might only be a couple notes and a delay pedal to do all that but you fucking come up with exactly that. you know it's like it's not i mean it's it happened, yep. and if it was that easy, there would be fifty million people who came up. That there exactly. wasn't. There was one. Yeah, so. exactly. And so there's tons of guitar players like that that you and I both love. Who you know, you know, your layperson go, oh well, it doesn't really look like they're doing much, or you know, but just listen to what they're doing. Like the guy, the rhythm guitar player in the Prince thing. I thought the same thing. It's like God, that guy's playing some tasty shit. Why don't you put the camera on that guy? He's playing some tasty, really tasty stuff. It's like. Um, yeah, but but again, like when I was younger, I was oh, I was a sucker for like uh, Eddie Van Halen or uh, Michael Schenker for that matter. He was a, a, a guitar god back well, then. And he, he was, was playing all this stuff. Shit. But, he was flashy yeah, shit. Yeah, but, but um, it, he could go play really slow and yeah. pretty. Oh, totally. And then just go so fast. You're like, what the fuck are you yeah. doing, you asshole? Yeah. I was trying to learn <laughs> solo. <laughs> I got to slow just, it down. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh no, that's those are great points that that relate to this whole topic of um, watershed moments, and there's a bunch of them, but but. These three I kind of thought about because for me, they, they were important to me and I think they were important to a lot of players. Getting back to the Jimi Hendrix thing, um, 
I saw this great interview again, too, with I think it was Pete Townsend. And he was talking about he and Eric Clapton went to the movies one night. And they'd never, they weren't really fr- they were acquaintances, but not friends. They didn't hang out together. But right. they both went to the movie this night and sat next to each other and talked about what are we going to do? This guy, you know, should we sell our shit? Because this guy is fucking up. You know, he's, he's a badass, you know. And that's what he, that's the impact he had on that in England, you know. Chaz Chandler brought, he knew, Chaz Chandler knew. He brought him here and says, these guys are going to shit their pants. And right. they did. But it's, it just seems so silly in retrospect. It's like, because it's music. Yeah. We need as much as we can Exactly. Get. You guys can do, you don't have to do what he does. But just, I, do I'm thing. really fascinated by that yeah. whole, because everybody was yeah. paranoid and yeah. like terrified. Like, yeah. And so it's just hard to fathom what they thought. Yeah, but I thought that was such a cool story because it it brought them together for that moment and just a little bit, and then they you know they went back to their kind of acquaintance after that. But it was I was just fascinated by that, and like you said, there were lots of other artists and or aspiring artists at that time who kind of had the same feeling. It's like you know we've all we've all I think as guitar players we've had that feeling where we we're around a guitar player that we think is so freaking good. It can either inspire you or make you want to sell all your crap. You know what I mean? Right. I, I just learned how to, to either be inspired or just like, you just find some way to go like, that's really great. I'm inspired by it. It's yeah. great. I can't do that. And yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And then you just find something that you can't do that you think is as cool and yeah. work on that a little bit more. But no, I mean, I've, I'm trying to think if I've ever felt like more than anything, anything that like blew me away. I think it, it, it inspired me and made That's me cool. want to try to be better. But I don't think I've seen anything where I go, I might as well just fucking quit. I probably said that, though, because <laughs> that's just some way you express like how cool something right, is. It's like, right. what the fuck am I doing? And that if if I'm truthful, that's probably a lot because there's a lot of good guitar oh, players yeah. around. Yeah. So And I've kind of had that feeling before. I like some dude is playing this stuff and I'm just blown away and it's like, Jesus, like, I, it's like, yeah, you're right. I don't want to sell my stuff, but it's like, it's kind of like, but exactly. You have to find ways that you can get better at what you do and get inspired and play your stuff right. because yeah, because it's still fun. I love playing, but it's like sometimes you see, or I just look at old videos of like Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed and go, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, there's, there's I wish no I could way. play like that, but there's no way in hell I ever can. I mean, you'd anyway. have to go back and start over and just like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 At this point, it's like, no, I just take what you can get and enjoy the rest of the ride. <laughs> I think that's what I'll have to do. Awesome. I, I think that was a really fun topic to discuss and I'm glad we did it. Um, I think this was a watershed episode. <laughs> we can only hope, Chris. Um, but for those of you out there listening, if there is anybody listening, I, we really appreciate it because we enjoy doing this a ton. And um, go on social media and like us and share our episodes and check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all of that jazz. Chris, you want to say anything? I want to say thank you for listening and uh, talk to you later. You know what I mean? Awesome. Awesome.